Welcome to Talking Business Now. I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thank you for joining us. We're talking business now with Michelle Mel, the founder and CEO of Exe, a Seattle-based startup focused on eliminating barriers to exercise, such as health conditions, injury, time, and space, so people can conveniently connect exercise to their everyday lives. In this episode of Talking Business Now, Michelle talks with us about how a broken leg led to the launch of her business and more tools and greater awareness for those with medical fitness needs. Welcome, Michelle. Thank you so much for having me. Michelle, like so many entrepreneurs, your inspiration for starting Exe was born out of personal experience. You had a medical situation that prevented you from exercising. Tell us about what Exe does and how your own medical condition made you reshape the focus of the company as you launched it. So Exe, it's a portable exercise bike that takes big giant equipment that you would find in a physical therapy clinic. So an upper body ergometer or recumbent exercise bike and then lots of other things that you would do with weights and puts it in a tiny little system that folds for storage and transport. And so my goal was to, you know, take all of these things that are super expensive, right? And Mm -hmm. very difficult to get to when you have an injury, especially physical therapy, you know, your insurance might only cover it for so long. And then what are you going to do when that stops? So that you can do all of that at home. So I had this idea for Exe when I was just about turning 40 I gained a bunch of weight and I was sitting at the park actually with my son. He was at the skate park and I was, I had been running around like a crazy person. I work a lot. I've always worked a lot. And I was sitting on a bench and I was like, what would happen if I could actually just turn this bench into an exercise bike? And then I started stepping up on the the bench because I was like, I have to do something. I had 2,200 steps for the day. And then I just kind of sat on the idea for a little bit. And then I broke my leg rollerblading with my son. And I did a number on myself, rod, screws, plates, blood clot. It was, I was actually a disaster. And I started, we had, we had started prototyping and I started using the prototype by pedaling my arms. And next thing you know, I'm getting my heart rate to 160 with completely being non-weight bearing Mm-hmm. you know, trying to process this blood clot. And I, and I was just blown away at how efficient upper body cardio is on a hand cycle. And that's when it was just like, that's it. I'm obsessed with this. Like so many people have these challenges, like what can we do? And that's where it kind of became the shift of, all right, let's it's, you know, yes, busy moms need us, busy people need us. They don't have time to get to the gym, but who actually needs us the most. Right. And it really came down to a lot of times where it's home physical therapy medical fitness applications, you know, and also prehab, right. In terms of preventing injury. Yes. Yeah. The, the broken leg at the time I was like, yeah, I'll take that healthy leg over kind of the aha moment. But looking back on it now, you know, I I still live with pain and my leg is permanently crooked. And so it throws off my hip and all kinds of lovely things. But I use XE for my own prehab, rehab, like a life of rehab, if you will. I definitely drink my own Kool-Aid. I mean, I live and breathe. And with uh, this device, I kind of, I feel like it saved my life, to be honest with you. And it's 14 pounds, right? It's not very cumbersome to, it folds up, easy to move around and use in a variety of places. It's a super small. I mean, it, it's small enough to fit in an overhead on an airplane. You know, when I travel with it, I always get a lot of looks. I've been tempted from a business perspective to just kind of hang out at airports. <laughs> so, oh, you know what? That's not a show. bad idea. <laughs> yeah, I, it's been tempting. It's been tempting. That's for sure. Because anytime I travel, it's like a walking, 
you know, advertisement for us. Everybody wants to know what it is. How does it work? Wait, I don't understand. It doesn't have a wheel. No, it doesn't have a wheel. (laughs) We don't need a wheel. Yeah. So it's super small. You launched on Kickstarter, not just to raise money, but also to test the market itself, Mm -hmm. you know, whether anyone would buy the product. Any tips for others who are looking at crowdfunding platforms as an option for fundraising or for doing market research? So I think that crowdfunding is a great way to say, okay, I have this wonderful idea, right? Will people buy it? The biggest obstacle you have to overcome is will people get their checkbook out, get their credit card out and actually buy your product? And I think that Kickstarter or crowdfunding, there's so many ways to do it. It's just a wonderful way to do that. Like for us, we set a really low goal. I can't remember. I think it was like $17,000 or $19,000. I can't remember. This would have been what, 2016-ish? 2016. I think that's right. It feels like mm-hmm. it was just yesterday. <laughs> like it's, and, then, and then it feels like it's been like 50 years. So it's all at the same time. I had already been like, I was all in on solving this problem with exercise and accessibility to exercise. So when we did the Kickstarter, we had already been through manufacturing. I had, I think, 12 systems to ship immediately. And I wanted to see like who would be the first people to kind of really dive in and want to get it right now. So wonderful market data, right? And then also to see who would then want it later. And then we shipped, we shipped immediately those 12 systems. And then we shipped to the other, everything else within three months, which is unheard of, Mm, right? Yeah. So it was a very big expense for me up front, but I was all in. There was, it was, yeah, that's about probably the best way is like just being all in. We had already figured out a lot of things prior to doing the Kickstarter. And then the data that you get in terms of who comes in, like who are these strangers who they don't know me, they don't know Mike, they're completely trusting of what we're building and what we're trying to do. And what happened is a lot of medical fitness applications boiled to the top. We have a lot of women in particular, I think, who don't love their tricep flab and and really wanting to tone their Mm -hmm. arms. And so there's a vanity play there as well, which I have learned over the years that vanity play goes up to 80 plus 90 years old. (laughs) It doesn't stop. It's been really interesting. It was a very fast way to get to product market fit. So what you're trying to say to, in terms of advice to our listeners is don't just focus on the money that's coming in. You can glean so much market data from it. Be sure to leverage, pay attention to that and leverage it as well. Absolutely. I, and I think every, it all depends on what your intentions are. Like I worked with this one guy, he launched on Kickstarter and he set a pretty high threshold. And for him, it was like, I either get the money to do this or I'm mm-hmm. out. Right. And so he set what was the real amount of money that he needed to bring his idea to market. And he missed it. And I think he missed it by about 15 grand. And so it didn't get funded, but the goal was set pretty high, like a hundred plus thousand dollars out of the gate. And he moved on, you know. So I think it really depends on your goal and how you are using Kickstarter. Are you trying to get data about customers? Or do you really need the money? You know, then it's just a different, it's a, it's, it really depends on what your goals are. Talking about the financing, you made a decision very early on to bootstrap versus raising outside capital, even though your goal is to build a billion dollar company, or at least it was initially. So mm-hmm. why? You're located in Seattle where investors seem eager to support startups like yours, ideas like yours. 
than you did go mm-hmm. out for your first seed round in 2018. Why the shift in thinking? And what did you learn from the experience of going outside to raise capital? So when we first started, I mean, I just have this mentality of go big or go home. I mean, that's just the way that I've always been. And so from the beginning, it's been like, okay, we're going to build this company. It's going to be giant and we need VC to do that. And as we started to get deeper and deeper into it and seeing the medical fitness applications to it, there's a kind of a multiple ways to answer this questions, but I became obsessed with this kind of approach of radical fitness and medical fitness and physical therapy applications at home. And, and I think you can see from the last year of the pandemic in terms of there's not a lot of care sometimes for those people. And so I want to be their champion and I'm going to be their champion. And I, I think that a lot of investors kind of struggle with that market. You know, do they have money? Do they have disposable income? And they do. And, and, and obviously it needs to be more about more than just that. So it was like, okay, I see the bigger picture here. I'll be patient. And then I did decide you know, after I set some very specific milestones and then we met those milestones, all right, let's go raise some money. I went through all the due diligence. It's extremely difficult, you know, creating your debt, creating your financial model, the story around how you're going to get to a billion dollars. And I think if you don't have a story to get to a billion dollars, no venture capitalist is going to invest in you. So you have to have, like, how are you going to do that? Came up with that. And it was about seven meetings into it with some friendlies up front. And then my brother passed away unexpectedly and he's 48. He was 48. And so, which is actually, I'm about to be 48 next month. I took some time off and I went to the funeral and did the thing that I felt like I needed to do. And it was right as summer was approaching. And I just had this kind of moment of like, what will happen if I take the 200 hours, if you will, that's going to take me to go close money. And I just go all in on the customer and sales and put the gas pedal down on customer acquisition and doing everything that we can you know, as opposed to, to raising money. And, and that's what I did. And it ended well. And I think a lot of times, you know, going to raise money is a full-time job. It's more than a full-time job. Instead of doing that, I spent my full-time job growing the company. And as a result of that, we, we got Stanford Hospital using our system, helping people pedal, you know, while they're going through chemotherapy, multiple applications in a lot of hospitals. We sold systems. I got more feedback from customers. And then the fall kind of rolled around and I was like, maybe I don't need to take on outside funding. And so we've built a profitable company. And, and I think sometimes it's easy to, it, not easy, all of this is extremely hard, but chasing the money as opposed to building a, a, a business. And I do think it, it depends on what you're trying to do, right? And what kind of company you're trying to build. And so that was the focus. And, and then I was like, okay, and heads down. And it's just like those things just come up in life. You know, I, I was like, okay, we're, we're like doing this again. Like we can raise money. And my son had an injury that was very t- t- time intensive on physical therapy. And I just felt like I needed to prioritize mom, being mom, wife and friend and a sister and all those kind of things. Keep growing the company as a huge priority, but without the distraction right now of trying to raise money. There are so many lessons in everything that you just said. I'm trying to remember all of them as you presented them. When you talk about the hours that it took to work with those investors, I think that's an important statement for a lot of our listeners to hear because the time that you're that you're spending with those investors, unless you've got a backup that replaces what you were doing in the company before, and in your case, you were focused so much on sales, 
that you can actually set your company back. Oh, yeah. I believe that your sales fell during that period, didn't they? They did. They did. Initially, they fell. Like for me, doing a startup, I've been doing this for 25 plus years. I worked with some very successful companies when they were itty bitty, right? Nobody knew their name. Offer Up, Zulily, helped them launch their companies. And I love, I love it, right? When I stepped away to focus on funding and did not, could just could not keep the pace. Like to me, if you're going to do this at this scale, it is a minimum, minimum of a 70 hour week, like minimum. And that doesn't include traveling to go raise. That's just being all in. I think it's even more than that. And, And I did that for years and years and years and years. When you take the gas off the pedal of the marketing to focus on funding, it's impossible to keep it all going unless you have a backup. The other important thing that you said was, you you didn't say the word, but you talked about alignment. Different things happened in your life, your brother's death, your son's injury, that made you really stop and think, ah, billion dollar company, that'd be great. But if I'm not happy, and if I'm not being able to be with my son or be with my family and do the other things that matter in my life as well, then what's the billion dollars? So Mm -hmm. alignment is another really important message that is congruent. What you want out of life and what you have as a vision for your company support each other. Absolutely. Absolutely. And just like, it's not, it's not all possible. Doing everything is not always possible. Something is going to give. I have so many friends who have launched companies and gotten a divorce. Like, I was committed. I'm not getting a divorce. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, and, and it's, so you can be all in on your good intentions of t- trying to do it all, but I think that something's going to give. So being in alignment in terms of what makes you happy, getting a big check is not something, don't get me wrong. I could use the money. Like we oh, have, yeah. a, we have a significant <laughs> opportunity in front of us and I'm all in on the company, but doing it in a way that I feel like is my, my pace of where I am in life. Yeah. And I think it just comes with, some, you know, that, you know, I'm not too far away from 50 and prioritization is, is important. Let's go back to your product. You use a universal design for all your products. Tell us about that decision. So it's, that's a great question. If I give my device to a young child who has Down syndrome or a woman who has cerebral palsy, and then I turn around and I give that same exact device to an Olympic athlete, a Paralympic athlete who doesn't have legs, and they are both getting tremendous value, right, from using the device. The Paralympic athlete is hammering it, drenched in sweat, resistance as high as he can take it. Whereas somebody who has, let's say, cerebral palsy is working on range of motion, getting the arm extended so that they can reach and do functional things in their life, right? Not about competition, but just about lifestyle and healthy lifestyle and getting their heart rate up, let's say above a hundred, right? But that same device can do both. And so often we think about the big burly fitness person, right? When it comes to this market, you know, what do they need? And when it comes down to it, the body, the, hu- body, the human body is incredibly simple and also complex at the same time, right? But if you design for kind of every use case, and that's difficult to do, but you kind of just design for the human body, right? Then the applications become applicable to everybody. And I will flat out tell you, like, I, I take offense when 
somebody will say, oh, that's for like big, strong people. No, right. A, a barbell can be used by somebody who has, uh, who's bedridden, for example, right. But it's just being creative and thinking of solutions and outside the box approaches. When you address any use case, like people who are able-bodied will benefit from it as well. And so I am just a fan of designing products that can be used and accessed by everyone so that there's kind of not these siloed approaches that end up in landfills more than they end up in helping people with their life. I suspect that some of your customers have figured out ways to use your product that you hadn't thought about before. Oh, absolutely. Has that happened? Oh, it happens all the time. Like I had this one guy, he's paralyzed from the chest down and he bought our solution. And then he, when he got it, he sent me a video of how he was using it. And I never in a million years, he lies down in bed and he puts our device on his chest and he pedals while lying down, he pedals his arms while lying down. And Oh, I, I just, you know, there's these wonderful stats, right? These fear factor stats and they're legitimate stats that 80% of Americans do not get the bare minimum amount of exercise, right? Cardio and strength training to fight preventable disease. 80%. I am convinced, well, one, th- that 20% who actually does do it, it's not all fitness gurus by any means because the people that we work with who are sometimes disabled, have health conditions, the things that they will go through and the creative approaches and ideas and openness and just commitment that they have to exercise, if that 80% of the US population get, could just be the tiniest bit inspired by them, we would dramatically change the health of the world because, you know, and I believe it to my core exercise as medicine. And yes, we, we want some of the vanity benefits that come from doing it. My approach of exercise is do the bare minimum to fight preventable disease. That's all I'm asking you to do. Often when a brand new concept is launched, it requires a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of money to educate your target market. And sometimes you can get out ahead of the curve as a new business Mm -hmm. and exhaust your money and time and resources before that education takes place. You have obviously been able to get through that phase. People have embraced it. Kickstarter was a help. But what other tools have you used to market and to get the word out? You've got a background in PR, so I'm sure that was helpful. But what other things? I believe videos have been a huge part of it. Yeah, my approach has been very focused on content marketing. And here's my suggestion for people who who want to do this in a content marketing approach. It's a long tail. It is a long-term investment. It is not a short-term win by any means. But starting with what are the problems that your customer has, right? And if we are looking at it from solving their problems and their challenges, then content marketing can be a wonderful tool. And content marketing means lots of things to lots of people. To me, it is heavy focused on SEO. If somebody has a problem, they're going to come to their search engine, likely Google, and look for a solution based on that problem. And so we created a content marketing strategy around solving people's challenges. By the time they get to us, they have done so much research. They have been looking for a solution for so long. Like recently, you know, we've sold quite a bit of bed bikes. And so that is to help people exercise in bed. 
And some of those are rentals, month-to-month rentals. Some of them are long-term rentals. Some of them are purchases, depending on what the person is going through. So content market, so that is a combination of video, YouTube, blog content, landing pages, customer testimonials, and the like. And in the beginning, I thought that social media would be a, a good way to do this as well, or like people would share themselves doing it and peddling XE and fun places. And that didn't pan out. And I've, you know, people- Maybe a little too intimate for some people. I think we have this over expectation of showing our perfect lives and Mm -hmm. things being perfect. And so, so when somebody's peddling and they're watching TV, you know, maybe their living room furniture isn't what they want everybody to know, or they haven't had a a pedicure and they don't want to show their feet on the pedal. So no, you're, you're absolutely right. Yeah. Because I think a lot of people do think these days, oh, social media, social media, social media. And your experience as a marketer is no, not always. I use it to show people quick ideas. And sometimes I, th- uh, you know, I'll do live challenges, for example. And I think people are like, here she goes again, you know, oh, okay, I need to pedal or I need to move. And so sometimes, yes, I want people to use XE, but I also just want people to move and get exercise. And so if they see me, you know, sitting down watching TV or doing whatever I'm doing, I get a chuck it sometimes with my dogs and go to the park because I can't run, you know, like they run. Mm -hmm, So mm -hmm. I pedal at the park while throwing the ball for them. Some of it is just like, oh, yeah, it is. It's like, here she goes again. Okay, okay, fine. I'm going to get up from my desk. Okay, I'm going to stand during the Zoom call. Oh, oh, you know, (laughs) so I kind of want to like frustrate people into exercise sometimes. Well, I've, I've read a lot of the comments uh, <laughs> before I before I started talking to you. I read a lot of the comments. And from what I can see, your customers find those videos very, very inspirational. So so you are doing something right there. And, and I like your larger point, though, and that this is the long tail. We live in a society where we want immediate reaction, immediate response. And you have to have the patience. This is an investment of your marketing dollars, of your marketing time, and you're not going to necessarily see a result in a week or a month. You might start seeing incremental response, but to get the big picture, you're going to have to wait it out. You're going to have to be all in, as you've been saying, all in on that as well. Yeah. I think one of the best pieces of of advice that I have gotten during this journey um, from the beginning is going to cost more money and it's going to take longer than you could ever plan for. And so throw the ideas of the immediate wins out the door. Getting a a hit in the New York Times or the Wall Street Journal or, you know, an influencer might give you a bump, right? But it's not going to sustain the business. So it's, you got to keep looking for the the big bumps, right? Sustainable Mm -hmm. bumps in your marketing strategy that kind of keep things going. You've had a strong, positive response to your product. We've talked about that. What do you think has been the key to that success at this point? Oh, I I will say radical inclusion and authenticity and both of them together. There was no way that anybody was going to give me money in the beginning, knowing like I wanted to throw the marketing playbook out from the very beginning of this entire journey. And doing that on somebody else's dollar, I take accepting money from people very seriously. And so I felt like I needed to prove that to myself, that people were ready for this, right? Like a lot of times when you get into doing any marketing, you're showing perfection and models and, and it works for lots of brands, but it's not, this is so hard to do. 
like building a company, manufacturing a product, maintaining the software, it is so hard to do that there's no way I could wake up every single day fully inspired and engaged by not focusing on inclusion and radical inclusion. Our content is never perfect. Our videos are never perfect. They cut off. They, I mean, it's just, and I think that people appreciate that we're not trying to be perfect and by any means. And so I think that's what's driving the success. Yeah. It's the authenticity. They're not perfect. You're not perfect. They see themselves in you, but your product works for them. So it's perfect. You yeah. say it's not, but it, it really is. <laughs> what's the most important thing business owners should be talking about in 2021? What should we be talking business now about? The pandemic, I think, has really shed some light on the need for people to have deeper connections in extremely authentic ways where the like posting of the picture perfect things on Instagram or on Facebook or whatever, it just nobody cares anymore right? It's like, no, I want to connect with you and I want to have a relationship with you and I want to have a relationship with other people. And so I think it's throwing out the playbook of social media perfection in favor of connection that we just, we need like in our life, our kids need it. We need it. College kids need it. I mean, every generation needs it. There's something missing in so many people's lives that I think if as entrepreneurs, we help minimize that, then we have like a huge win on our hands. So that's my hope. And I feel it's happening. I really do. I agree with you. I think the the pandemic has forced a lot of introspection and has really reminded us of how dependent we are on people and and to just really make sure that we keep those relationships keep them alive even when it's been hard this last year and we need we need to continue that as we move into a post pandemic world what is your website in case anybody wants to learn more about exe Sure, you can find us at www.exe.com and that's exe like short for exercise cycling that's where X, the name comes from, xc.com. And then we're on social media and YouTube and pretty much everywhere. You'll get tired of seeing my face. <laughs> so yeah, but just at xc.com is a good way to find us. xc.com, E-X-C-Y.com. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Talking Business Now and much success as you build the company into the future. Thank you. And I'm your host, Kelly Scanlon. Thanks for joining us today. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.